0: It is destabilizing for people living under these conditions. So this means kids probably not growing properly. This means parents having to choose how much to spend on food and how much to spend on other very important items. Hello, this is the Weekly Tradecast, a new podcast brought to you by the UN
1: Conference on Trade and Development. I'm Sarah Toms we're exploring how major events are shaping trade and development and how that affects billions of people around the world. This week, we're looking at how climate change endangers our food supplies across the globe. The Horn of Africa is on the verge of famine. We've had devastating floods in China and Pakistan and heat waves across much of Europe. As global warming increases, so does the likelihood of extreme weather, withering crops and depleting livestock. It affects the one thing we can't do without, food. And the problems will only get worse unless we really tackle carbon emissions. The UN says the combined effects of climate change, conflict and poverty could drive up food prices by an extra 8.5% by 2027. It also warns that many millions of people are already facing acute food insecurity. Joining me now is Jean-Vierre Kouven-Zizaf, an economist at UNCTAD with three decades of experience trying to help developing countries benefit more from international trade. He's also a keen jogger and for the last 15 years has always climbed the stairs to reach his office on the ninth floor. Well, that's quite a climb, Jean-Vierre. Thank you for joining us today. So please tell me, how are climate factors changing our food supply and what must we do to change
0: course? Thank you very much, Sarah. We know that floods destroy crops, for example, in Pakistan recently. We know that droughts, of course, do not allow crops to grow. This is the case in uh, East Africa, for example. So the effects are that food production is low and food prices on the markets increase. So more and more people are not, are unable to access food.
1: So, Jean-Vier, what must we do to change the course then?
0: Technology can be used to address the problem, at least partially. We can adopt drought resistant seeds, for example. Many countries are already doing that. We can use water in a more efficient way, for Mm -hmm. example, by using drip uh, irrigation, but many countries probably do not have access to these technologies, uh, especially in the developing world.
1: Which regions and uh, crops
0: are especially vulnerable then? The problem is, not every country has the same coping capacity. Mm. So some regions, especially developed countries, they can cope more than developing countries. So taking this into consideration, I would say Africa is particularly affected, particularly vulnerable because of the coping mechanisms that are relatively weak. East Africa is facing a very, very serious drought and many people are now facing uh, food insecurity in the region. So the developing world is most particularly vulnerable. This means insecurity, not just food insecurity, but it's really, dis- it is destabilizing for people uh, living under these conditions. So. This means kids probably not uh, growing properly. This means uh, parents having to choose how much to spend on food and how much to spend on uh, other very important items. So it's really very difficult now to cope with this, especially again when you don't have ample coping mechanisms at your disposal. So this is one element really that shows how development is segregating, basically, countries or people, dividing. It's a dividing uh, kind of line between those who can cope and those who cannot cope. We see many people have established the link between uh, migration and droughts or weather-related events. So, and moving means you leave behind your uh, culture, you leave behind... uh, your goods, everything. So these are dramatic events that really are causing uh, instability across the world.
1: Now, what can we do? Should we be changing the way we eat, for instance, and where we grow our food?
0: Of course, it's very difficult to change the way we eat because food is cultural. But uh, yes, if that were possible. And we should probably start to think about changing our diets. If you live in uh, West Africa, for example, which is also highly affected by droughts, we know that uh, sweet potatoes, sorghum, a cassava, mm-hmm. these are more resistant to drought than maize. Okay. Mm-hmm. So maybe transforming our food diets into the foods that are more drought or weather resistant. We also know that uh, some crops do not necessarily need uh, more water to grow in their uh, life cycles. So maybe let's look at those uh, different crops. The way we also handle our agricultural production or food production is also needs to be uh, looked at. Some countries, for example, eat rice, but they don't grow rice. They import rice Mm. from uh, thousands of uh, kilometers away.
1: I know a lot of people have been talking about cutting down on meat as well.
0: We need to look at a lot of food that could be used to feed people is now used to feed cattle. Mm. Most of the maize produced in the world is not used to feed people. The other thing that uh, livestock really produces a lot of global emissions.
1: Now, I think by the middle of the century, say, in just 30 years, there are going to be an extra 2 billion people on our planet. What is the UN recommending to help ensure that we have enough food to go around and that it's being made in environmentally friendly ways?
0: That's a very interesting question, but it's not because there is not enough food. Right. There is enough food now. So, but people say that up to one billion people eat too much and one billion people don't have enough to eat. So if we were just to work on the allocation of food, equal allocation of food, we would solve partly solve the food problem issue. Secondly, of course, in 30 years' time, we need to produce more food. There are possibilities. Look at Africa, for example. Africa has a lot of land, unexploited, fertile land, that could be used uh, to produce food. Ironically, Africa is the continent most affected by food uh, insecurity, Mm. but uh, there is potential there. Mm. Third thing is uh, productivity. We also need to increase food uh, productivity. Many agricultural productivity. We could also look at really using different foods. For example, eating insects. There are also other foods like algae from the oceans that we should also consider exploiting. It's a policy issue. For example, reducing food waste is really, especially in the developed world, it's really a policy issue. It's also an industry issue. It's a finance issue. Many countries, especially the poor countries, do not probably have the right financial resources to feed their people. I think the UN, as an international organization, has a responsibility to inform, to raise awareness. It's also the work of every single leader in, in our countries to achieve food security. It's a collective effort that is really needed to reach a solution.
1: Well, thank you so much, Jean-Vierre Ziza for joining me today and being this week's guest. Tune into the Weekly Tradecast next week and every week for more insights on the most pressing issues around the world of trade and development. There's even more on our website, untad.org. I'm Sarah Toms in Geneva. Goodbye for now.